Well, good morning, and it is uh, certainly a pleasure to gather with all of you on Christmas morning. Do you know that the next Sunday Christmas will not take place until uh, 2033 is the next Sunday Christmas? So we have a a Sunday leap year that will take place, and uh, who knows? The Lord may return before then, and this may be our last opportunity to gather and celebrate Christmas uh, on, on, this, in this, on this side of uh, glory. So I'm glad you're here. What a joy it is. Uh, let me read a Christmas passage for you. Ready for this? Exodus 20, 1 and 2. <laughs> I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Merry Christmas. Uh, That may seem like a funny way to start a Christmas sermon, but it's actually a very appropriate place to start this morning. So God says to his people as they stand at the foot of Mount Sinai, and, and he's going to deliver the law through Moses, the Ten Commandments, God says, look what I did. I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now listen to what I have to say. And this is a theme that's repeated over and over again in the Old Testament and the New Testament. God does amazing, miraculous things, and then we are told how we are supposed to act in light of the things that God has done. So the message of the prophets is often, remember what God has done. Now act accordingly. There's nothing recorded in the Bible by accident. The biblical writers didn't slip anything in that God didn't intend us to know. And I believe, and I hope you do too, that God reveals himself through the things that he does, through the ways that he acts in history, and that we should consider every event carefully. That verse that we saw at the end of John last year, the very end of John, where it says, if all the things that Jesus did were written down, The books could not contain them all, but God chose these things to reveal to us, to show us, to tell us about. So what do these things reveal about God and his character and his purposes? And so this morning, I want us to consider a very specific event related to Christmas in Luke 2, and that is the appearance of the angels to the shepherds. Have you ever noticed this? Luke devotes 20 verses to the night that Jesus was born, and he's the only gospel writer who tells us about that night of Jesus' birth. Only one verse we talked about last night, verse 7, mentions the birth itself at all, and then 13 of the 20 verses have to do with the shepherds and the angels that appeared to them. In verse, 17, uh, verse 15, the shepherds say, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. And I'm indebted to Alistair Begg for pointing out the simplicity of that statement. <laughs> this thing that happened. Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that happened. That's a very simple way of describing God entering into human flesh. So, a thing happened a little more than 2,000 years ago that caused angels to burst forth in worship to God. And that thing is the thing, the hinge upon which history bends. So let's give that thing, the angels and the shepherds, and their announcement, our attention this morning. And let me read 
uh, Luke, the, the rest of the passage here, Luke 8, uh, rather 2, verses 8 through 20. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were fe- filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. I want us to see first from this passage that this royal birth announcement, and that's what it is, it's a, it's a royal birth announcement is made to shepherds. So birth announcements are a big deal. When you ride around in town here, sometimes if you're riding around in the neighborhoods, You'll see a, a house that has big balloons or a big sign. It says it's a boy or it's a girl. Royal birth announcements are a really big deal. One would expect a, a lot of hear ye's, hear ye, hear ye proclamations. When Prince George was born to Prince William and Kate, the announcement was written and, and placed on a golden easel in front of Buckingham Palace. According to one estimate, between royal-themed, uh, baby-themed goods and party supplies, roughly $300 million was spent celebrating the prince's arrival. And the birth of Jesus was a royal birth like no other. He was a true king in every sense of the word. He will rule one day from Israel's capital city, Jerusalem. And yet this birth announcement came to a group of lowly shepherds. We sang last night. Really, it's, I, I think that the... The, the more we do Christmas together, the, the more I love O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. I, I love that song. I love the way it sounds. I love the words. It's one of my favorite Christmas carols. And, and we know that Emmanuel means God with us, Emmanuel. It carries that promise that God will draw near. And like I mentioned last night, this isn't the first time that God has drawn near. God has drawn near to his people before. Let me read to you from Hebrews. This is the writer of Hebrews describing God drawing near there at Mount Sinai. For you have not come to what may be touched a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg no further message to be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If any beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. If you read the passage there in Exodus, when God is giving the Ten Commandments, and he prepares all the people, and he gets them all prepared, and he says, don't come near the the, the mountain, and and then he actually speaks to the people. Uh, He speaks the words of the Ten Commandments. God, the voice of God, comes to them. And they go to Moses. The people of Israel go to Moses, and they say, we didn't like that. That was really scary. Would it be okay if God spoke to you? And you told us 
what he had to say. So it's a really, it's a really big deal when God comes to dwell with his people. But on the night of Jesus' birth, there's no lightning, there's no thunder, there's no earthquake, there's no trumpets. All is quiet in this little backwater town called Bethlehem, outside of Jerusalem. Um, Sudden, loud noises in the night, I find to be deeply unsettling. Uh, I remember the first time when I when I moved to, to Southern California, the first time I ever experienced an earthquake. In the it was in the night, and and the whole you know I wake up and the whole room is shaking. And somebody had told me one time to go stand in a doorway, so I went and stood in the doorway. You know, and you're just you're all disoriented. A couple of years ago, the the boys uh, the, the the fire alarm went off in the boys' room upstairs, and they didn't wake up. Um, but we had to go and find out what was going on and. Nobody left the house, and we had to have a, you know, talk with our family about what's supposed to happen when a fire alarm goes off. But it's all very disorienting, and you, you know, I don't know about you, but, you know, your heart is beating fast. It's, it's hard to go back to sleep. Imagine being jolted awake. I mean, so let's just assume. I mean, I know these shepherds are doing their job, but let's just assume that they're dozing, and imagine being jolted awake by the sudden appearance of an angel. So in the Judean hills, it's always cool in the evening. And then suddenly, you know, maybe they're, they're, they're by the fire. And suddenly, it says, the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were enveloped in the glory of God. None of us have ever experienced any of this, anything like this in the middle of the night. And Luke says the shepherds were filled with great fear. A king has been born. So why shepherds? They didn't appear to the rich and the powerful. The priests, the Pharisees, the scribes, the rulers, they didn't come to Caesar Augustus. They didn't come to Herod in his palace in Jerusalem. When Jesus returns, we're told the whole earth will know. But on his first coming, the only people who knew that night was a group of shepherds. Now, some say it was a matter of proximity. I actually, I went to Bethlehem for the first time this summer. I went to Bethlehem when we were in Israel. I'd never been there before. It's 30 minutes by car from Jerusalem. You just go over a hill, and there it is. So in that day, it was about a two-hour walk. Not far away. The shepherds are very, very close to the most powerful city in Israel. So some say they were just close by. Others point out the connection with King David. Well, King David was a shepherd, so so there's some symbolism here. The shepherds are in Bethlehem, and the flocks in Bethlehem are the flocks that they use to make the sacrifices at the temple. Jesus himself calls himself the Lamb of God. And while I think that there's probably something to both the proximity and the symbolism, clearly it has something to do with their status and their station. And it's very much in keeping with what we learned from James 2. Listen, my beloved brothers, has God not chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs to the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? Shepherds were generally viewed negatively, they were mistrusted, they were considered unclean. The religious elite would not have wasted their time with people like this. If Herod had had a baby, nobody would have gone and told the shepherds. They would have expected nothing from them, and they would not have considered them worthy of such a message. Now let me assure you, this was not an accident. The angel did not make a wrong turn coming up into the city and and go to the field rather than the temple. God wanted to make this announcement to the shepherds. So today, many are celebrating Christmas. So children around the world have woken up and they've gotten their gifts. 
We watched a show this Christmas about, uh, with one of those guys from the HGTV, we're decorating the White House and all the different decorations in the White House. They've decorated the Capitol, they've decorated Parliament, all the places around the world of government where Christmas is celebrated. How many people in there are actually celebrating the birth of the Savior? The bells of Christmas are ringing, and most people, just like on that day uh, 2,000 years ago, most people today don't know, they don't understand the miracle that is God with us, because material riches lead to spiritual poverty, and God makes a practice of displaying His glory to the weak and the despised and the poor. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. So what does God reveal to us by making this announcement to these shepherds? Well, I think he reveals to us that he hides the things of God from the great and the wise, and he reveals them to the poor. So let me ask you this. Who needs to hear the message of Jesus? Does Joe Biden need to hear the message of Jesus? I would say yes, but is it because we think that if he would just get saved, it would cause a great revival? LeBron James, if LeBron James got saved, think of all the good he could do. The most popular kid at school, Mike Hostelo. If these guys would just get saved, wouldn't everything suddenly change? And it would be great for Joe Biden, and it would be great for Mike. But God isn't waiting for them or any other celebrities or sports stars or politicians to get saved so that he can get his work done in this world. The first announcement of Jesus was to shepherds. Tell everybody about Jesus, and don't assume that anyone is a hopeless case. All right, so secondly, we see that the royal birth announcement was made to shepherds, but it was made by angels. Okay, so the first recipients of the announcement were lowly, but the first heralds of the birth of Jesus was not lowly. Consider this, the first praise of Jesus Christ is sung not by men, but by angels. So consider this, sung by angels who have not sinned, sung by angels who don't need a redeemer. Their song was not in praise of what Christ meant for them. It was in praise of what Christ meant for sinful humanity. Do you know what it's like to be truly joyful because something wonderful has happened? To somebody else, to rejoice in God's goodness to another person. When was the last time you said to somebody, I am rejoicing that God has been good for, to you. I am truly happy for you. The angels were full of joy on behalf of human beings. How do we know? Because the angelic herald, so at, at the beginning, there's one angelic herald, and he makes the announcement, and we'll talk about that in just a second, but that one angelic herald becomes a myriad of angels. A myriad means a lot of. The praise comes bursting forth. So this one angel is making this announcement, and it's almost like all the other angels are like, well, we can't help it anymore. We've already gotten the highest. And they appear, and they're singing the glory of God. There's an electricity to being in a crowd who is cheering. 
When I, when I lived in Southern California, I also got to go to a couple of Lakers games. I hate the Lakers. <laughs> but when everybody's cheering, when everybody's on their feet, there's something electric about that. And I, I may have stood up and clapped. At the very least, I don't want to be the only one who's not standing up and clapping in that situation. What must it have been like to be in the midst of a myriad of angels suddenly praising and giving glory to God? I think the shepherds saw something that very few in this life have experienced. They enjoyed something on earth that most of us will only enjoy in heaven. And note this too, the angels long to see salvation for the human race. We are told that the angels rejoice when a sinner repents. When the master shows his mercy to humanity, the angels are overcome with joy. You know, our world is not overcome with joy. Our world is overcome with envy and jealousy and discontent. What if our church in 2023 was cultivating joy on behalf of others? What if we could shine like that as lights in the darkness? I am so happy for you that you got to take that nice vacation. I am so happy for you that God has blessed you with extra income. What a blessing that your family is healthy. I am happy for you that you are happy. That's the attitude of the angels. Can we learn from the angels here and rejoice when God blesses our fellow men? And can we confess our jealousy and our envy and our discontent as sin and repent and be thankful and joyful as God's goodness to each other? All right, so what was the good news? For the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I love this. This is J.C. Ryle in this verse. The way to pardon and peace with God is about to be thrown open. Liberty for captives, sight for the blind, salvation is no longer only through types and shadows, but openly face-to-face and in person. Two weeks ago, we looked at the prophecies from Isaiah, and then we read it last night where Isaiah says, there shall come forth a stump, a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots. There shall come forth a little shoot, a tiny little twig, that dead stump that was the Davidic king line, the stump of Jesse that looked dead and everybody had forgotten about, will suddenly have a little tiny shoot. That baby born that night was that little tiny shoot that came out. And the angel announces it. There it is. There's the twig on the stump. After years of silence, that promise has been fulfilled. And I think it's, it's so hard for us to illustrate in our generation, in our day, this type of deliverance. We don't know, most of us don't know what it's like to be held against our, our will. We don't really know what it's like to seek help outside of us, to be locked in a prison praying for release, to be oppressed by a dictator, to be praying for release from the bonds of slavery. The nearest I could think of is the announcement of a cure. The cancer's gone. You're healed. The angels are saying that that long-awaited Redeemer, the one that's going to set humanity free, He has come, the Healer, the Deliverer. Just when you thought it was impossible, just when you thought it was totally dark, the prison doors are about to be opened, you can be purchased from slavery, the tyrant king is going to be overthrown. To put it in biblical imagery, the serpent's head is about to be stomped. And then we read the second part of the message, Verse 14, when all the angels appear and they say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. What do you think we're going to talk about in heaven? 
J.C. Ryle also said, he said, this is the language of heaven. This is conversation in heaven. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. Can you believe this? Can you believe what God has done? I think today, when, when things happen in heaven, there's, in, on earth, there's joy in heaven. The cross of Christ was glorious. The resurrection was glorious. But so is Christ's birth. And the appearing of God's Son in the world is of the highest degree of glory. And the angels couldn't contain their glory, their joy. And I don't think we should be tempted to say that Christmas is like a second-class Christian holiday. This is no throwaway sermon this morning. I want you to know that. This is, you know, I didn't say I got to fix something, you know, before I can go have lunch and open presents. I, I, I haven't uh, assumed anything about, about any of you that you just want to get this done and go. I'm, I'm assuming that we want to hear the word this morning, that we want to be fed. I, I've prepared a full meal, as it were. The birth of Christ called the angels to proclaim the glory of God. And that should tell us something about what we are celebrating today. You know, I mentioned last week in the, in the whole, like, discussion of should we have, should we gather, should we not gather? I, I actually think, as I've thought about it this, these last few weeks and studied this passage, I'm not so sure that we shouldn't gather every Christmas and celebrate the birth of our Lord. All right, God's glory leads to peace. I'm, I'm going to land the plane here. No one expects this. This is not what the heart of sinners want to hear. Okay, so this is the announcement. The announcement is God's glory leads to peace. No, my glory leads to peace. More me will lead to peace. And that's the lie. And y'all, it is the burden of my heart to expose this. The glory of man apart from Christ leads to conflict, conflict with God, conflict with our fellow men, and conflict within ourselves. And the royal announcement of Christ makes this clear. They say, glory to God in the highest. The appearance of Jesus Christ in this world brings the highest degree of glory to God. His life and death and resurrection will glorify God as he has never been glorified before. And then the angel says, peace on earth. So the coming of Christ brings peace between a holy God and sinful humanity. And that peace, once gained, brings peace with one another and peace in our hearts. So here it is. The thing that happened 2,000 years ago that brought glory to God also brings peace to mankind. God's glory produces peace. I don't know if you know how controversial this is these days. People don't want to hear that peace is found in Christ. They don't want to be told that they have a glory problem that's stealing their peace. They want to be told that the problem is out there and not in here. Everybody wants peace. If you could bottle it, it would be worth gold and diamonds. And peace is found in Jesus Christ. Families, are gathering all over the city today, and they're opening presents, and they're eating good food in comfortable homes. Their physical needs are met, but they are spiritually poor, and many of them would give anything for a moment of peace, and they celebrate today in ignorance that the one that they're celebrating supposedly has come to bring them that peace that they so desperately long for. These are good tidings that will change your life. The man who hopes to dwell in heaven should have some acquaintance with the language of its inhabitants. Third, the royal birth announcement yielded obedience. The angel obviously wanted the shepherds to go and visit the baby, so they were invited right into the nursery. 
So how are we going to find this baby? You shall find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Okay, we're going to go to Bethlehem, and there's a baby, right? How are we going to find that baby? Well, here's how you're going to find the baby. He's the only baby in a feed trough. You can go look around. You got a new baby? Is it in a feed trough? No, that's not the one I'm looking for. I'm looking for a baby in a manger. And so when the angels went away into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Remember how we saw a couple of weeks ago from 2 Kings chapter 11, Athaliah? After they finally deposed Athaliah, what did they do? They went and tore down the temple to Baal, and they killed the priest of Baal. Because when you see God, when you see the king, when you understand what God is doing, it leads to repentance and obedience. And so the shepherds are like, we should probably go and see this thing that has been announced to us by this myriad of angels. They may have just left the sheep in the field. I don't know. I, I don't think anyone said, well, we could go see the baby, but we've got these sheep here. I think they probably just went. So don't sit here this morning and think it's Christmas. I just, I just, want, I just want a nice word. I don't really want to be moved to obedience today. There was a saying at our house years ago, you know, you can still have a spanking on your birthday. You can still be convicted on Christmas Day. 2,000 years ago, a thing happened, and it changed the world. God took on human flesh. God with us became a baby in a feed trough. An angel proclaimed the message to a group of lowly shepherds, and then a myriad of angels burst forth in praise of God's glory. So what can we learn from this real quick? Number one, God reveals amazing things to unimpressive people. I'm not saying anything about all of us. But if we are recipients of God's grace, we know the truth. King Herod is asleep in his palace. The high priest, they don't care about a baby born in Bethlehem. Caesar's in Rome doing what Caesar's do. It's the shepherds. This is not a mistake. 13 of the 20 verses that Luke gives us in this narrative is devoted to this account. God has done a thing, and he reveals it to the shepherds. And we saw last night that the birth of Jesus is filled with difficulty and shame, and we don't need to clean it up because that's the point. Jesus humbled himself even in his birth, and the same can be said about the shepherds. We don't have to clean them up because that's the point. These are not the ones you would expect to be present at the birth of a king. If Jesus had been born in a hospital, these guys weren't getting in there to see him. And we're not an impressive lot this morning, no offense. God has not chosen to reveal himself to us because we are worthy. God chose what is foolish, God chose what is weak, God chose what is low and despised. So God chooses the weak, own it. He chooses us so that he can put his glory on display through us because it'll be obvious that it's him doing and not us. Fall on your knees and be amazed. Allow yourself to ask, why me? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Secondly, the peace that passes understanding has come through Jesus Christ. And I've been reading through Romans this month. I keep noticing Romans 5, 1 and 2 while I preach this passage. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So we have peace with God through Jesus Christ, and we rejoice in the glory of God. Do you see it? We have peace with God. And we rejoice in the hope of glory. God's glory in the coming of Christ has led to peace. Peace was promised in, in Micah 5, the, the Bethlehem passage. You know, 
The Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. And in, in, at the end of the, the announcement of the being born in Bethlehem, it says, He shall be their peace. And peace was announced at the birth by angels. And on the night before Jesus died, what does he say to the disciples? He said, I give you peace. Peace I live with you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Our world longs for peace. Everyone is anxious, depressed, and despairing. We can say, seek God's glory and you will find peace. He came so that we can have peace. A thing happened so that we can have peace. We're going to turn to the table as we do every week this morning. And we're going to do so because Jesus came. He came. He didn't make us come to him. We didn't have to get some kind of uh, interdimensional spaceship to be able to travel to where Jesus was. He came to where we are, and he came so that we can have peace. Eternal life draped himself with a body so that mortal flesh could be put on immortality. Heaven came down and glory fills our futures. We give thanks for salvation and the fellowship we enjoy with God because he came. And we're going to share this bread and we're going to share this cup together now because he came. What a great day this is. I'm sure we are all looking forward to a feast at some point today. But let that be a reminder of the feast in the future that we are looking forward to when Jesus comes again in glory. Uh, I know we have some visitors here this morning. You are welcome to partake with us with the bread and the cup. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, we would invite you to join with us. If you don't know Jesus, but you would like to know Jesus, you would like to know the peace that passes understanding, we would love to talk to you, Tyler or I or one of the other Elders or even some of our members would love to talk to you. And we would just ask that you refrain from, from taking the, the cup and the bread right now. Let us talk to you and then we can explain to you what it means and you can participate with us sometime in the future. So take the bread and the cup, hang on to it, and I'll come right back up here in a minute. While we're passing out the, the bread, we want to sing a song for you.